We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the NFL Pick 6 show for the first time ever, week 18, cool. a.k.a. it's the information slate. Uh, it's your boys, uh, usual suspects here, Rich Rebar, Sharp Football Analysis, John Daigle, NBC Sports, a good football show podcast. Hey, all right. Uh, I was going to say we made it, John, but we haven't officially made it. It's still week 18. You know, we're coming down the final stretch and we just talked about this pre-show just so the people know. There's no reason to like unsubscribe because we're doing nothing you'd ever, you wouldn't dare. But if you're even considering unsubscribing, we're going to do uh, two playoff shows as well. So the first two weeks of the playoffs are we doing shows. So stay tuned for that. But John, uh, we kind of made it. Sure. We can take the victory lap. Why not? Week 18. We're here. We're excited in theory. It, we are excited. It feels like week 18. Certainly. <laughs> uh, I don't know who wanted this. Nonetheless, we are here. I don't, of course, everyone wanted this show. I don't know who wanted week 18 football. Uh, I know who same, did. Yeah, well, there are 32 people 32 the guys. Yeah, 32 <laughs> at the top. Uh, no, nonetheless, it's the same thing we always talk about in week 17 in previous years where there's some motivation to be had. Even though right now it doesn't look like many teams are hidden. We kind of know who's going to bench their players or like play at least a quarter. We'll talk about that as the show goes along. But nonetheless, uh, yeah, it's... It's, it's, it's interesting. Yes, we're here. It's week 18. Yeah, Rich, it's worth talking about any overarching thoughts. You know, again, I talk about the information slate and a lot of the information we don't have just yet. We're going to do our best on a Wednesday night, kind of figure it, back, figure it out and do our best guesses. And I think what John was doing was kind of sort of hinting at the possibility of like an Aaron Rodgers, maybe playing a quarter, maybe playing a half, maybe not playing at all. You're going to have to like pry that football out of his cold, dead hands, though. You know, he's going to want to play as much as possible and lock up that MVP, but uh, and, you know, there's some other teams that are just kind of playing out the string, some other teams that just they're probably going to arrest some dudes. Uh, Cincinnati looks like Joe Burrow is not going to go. Uh, most likely Joe Mixon as well. <sighs> General thoughts here. What do we have, Rich, as far as, uh, you know, it's it's not a full, full slate because two games are on Saturday, one game's on Sunday night. So it's a 13 gamer. Not incredibly overwhelming. But what are we looking at here? A lot of uh, low totals, not a lot of high scoring games. 
It's it has a like a mix of big like final preseason uh, week energy, you know, kind of mixed in here a little <laughs> bit. But uh, imagine imagine leaving the final slate on the table where you can chase the first Cole Komet touchdown of the year or the last chance we have to play Kyle Pitts uh, potentially if he's able to play. Uh, all yeah. these things that are still left on the table for us to pursue one last time. It's the last main slate of the season. Then weird things happen every week. So uh, why not why not dial in? One last time. Kyle Pitts was one of those guys. He's actually <laughs> on the board. Uh, I did pull up, um, was it Anthony Amico? He tweeted out a bunch of uh, incentive stuff, which is always kind of sort of worth noting. Uh, I did my own research as far as incentive, and I also went ahead and read the Levitan's article on it. Very, very helpful this time of year. But Kyle Pitts needs 59 receiving yards for a single-season rookie tight end record. But like you said, on a Wednesday night, on a Wednesday, he didn't practice. Uh, Atlanta doesn't really care. <laughs> like they're not going anywhere obviously and it's you know, one of their prized pieces going forward who knows we'll see but if he does play in theory they're going to want to get him those 59 yards some other incentives that are kind of worth they're, talking uh, about they're also limiting Cordero Patterson I don't know what they're limiting him for since there are no more games but yeah there's a lot going on in Atlanta right now and he's a free agent yeah, I would, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well they want to they want to, <laughs> they want to make sure somebody spends a lot of money for him in the offseason that's nice then they're trying so. to keep the price down the rebuy in dude <laughs> Is that, you know, that, that's pretty sharp if that's actually what they're doing, but who knows how it's going to go down. I'm not giving that organization any credit. No, no. It's probably, it's probably the sharp call for sure. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll keep our eye on like incentives and like narratives and playoff implications and all that throughout the show. Of course, I mean, this listen, is your first it, time. Chasing oh, incentives, ahead. chasing incentives can never go wrong. It's not like we just chased a bunch of incentives from a player that quit in the middle of a game last week. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, you know, well, the other part is, is like a lot of these dudes are rich already. Like, you know, it's nice to, I, I'm sure it's nice to get like a $200,000 bonus or, you know, a million dollar bonus, whatever it is, but a million dollars to them, maybe not, probably not a million dollars to us, like you're relatively speaking, but yeah, they're, they're certainly nice as well. Of course, Cooper Cup potentially going to break the single season, you know, record as far as yards, uh, potentially going over 2,000 yards, all this stuff. Uh, I think Cup needs what, 12 receptions to break the, break the single season record as far as receptions. Uh, Steph Diggs, I think it's six catches he needs to get what is like a half a million dollars or something like that. That seems doable. And of course, Buffalo is one of those teams that actually has some incentive in this slate as well. Uh, mm -hmm. The Bills, the Titans, the Colts, the Saints, San Francisco, the Rams. So we have some teams that are fully incentivized. Um, this is your first time listening to the show. Where have y'all been all season long? Welcome. Sure. You picked the wrong week. This is not the one that's going to go like, this is not going on our reel. Like we're not mailing this one out <laughs> and say, this is the best show. We'll try. We're going to do our best for sure. But yeah, uh, week 18, welcome aboard. We focus on three main games, three main games. We break it down from all possible angles, angles and kind of run it back and give our favorite plays from uh, players at each position that are not in those three main games. Whew. John, yeah, you probably struggled uh, picking your three featured games this week. It's kind of sort of somewhat ugly, but the first one we're going to start with, of course, is San Francisco and the Rams. 44 and a half is the total. The second highest total on the board last I checked. A couple I think might be tied with it. Uh, the good thing here, at least, John, is that we have uh, two teams that are fully motiv motivated. They both want to win. I think San Fran's got a win to get in, and the Rams need to win to kind of jockey for position, possibly maybe a bye. Either way, they're both motivated. We like that. Um, and Cooper Cup, the aforementioned Cooper Cup, we like him, right? What's to say about Cooper Cup in week 18? Do we, do, do we think he's a good play this week? <laughs> yeah, we've for the Rams, we have we know that even though there's one bye, that's it this year, 
teams are still jockeying for the number two seed and home field advantage in the playoffs, especially like in this first round, if you're not getting a bye, you still of course want to host whoever the seven seed is. So that's what teams are still playing for, including the Rams. Uh, for Stafford, it's also been three games in a row now that he's performed fairly poor, averaging 250 yards, just five touchdowns and six interceptions in that span. But we've seen, even in that stretch, Cooper Cup still flourish as an inevitable production player with 130 yards and two touchdowns three weeks ago, uh, 10 for 109 a couple weeks back. And then even last week, that was the fewest targets he's seen all year in that game when, you know, we still talked about fading him on Fandle, for instance, because he needed the touchdown. He still got there. The box score, though, even with Stafford's outing uh, with six catches for 95 yards and a touchdown. We've also seen a slight regression, or maybe it's actually just a balance in their play calling inside the red zone recently, uh, ranking top three in pass play rate inside the 20 through week 14. And then they've actually been below 50% in their last three games as they've leaned on the run slightly more inside the 20. But San Francisco also, you know, lots of these moving pieces in week 18. San Francisco has moved five key players in their secondary to the COVID list so far because they're experiencing a cluster breakout in particular on defense. So even with Stafford, like, you know, playing somewhat poor. He got over 300 yards last week. And in this slate where we're really just trying to look for options to counteract or leverage off of Josh Allen, since that's where we know every, all the entire field's going. Like, yeah, it actually is a, a pretty good matchup for Stafford and a much better one for Cooper Cup, even though we could talk about the game theory pricing option again. All right, Rich, you want to take a stand? Is, uh, is Cooper Cup going to break the all-time record? No. Uh, maybe the receptions, yardage probably a tough task he's only gotten there in one game this season uh for as good as he's been uh you know he's just been real steady he hasn't had any bad weeks that's how he's gotten there but uh yeah I mean he, he's hit the reception total just once but receptions you can kind of you can kind of fudge those you can give him some quick hitters and some things like that uh the yardage a little more tougher to manufacture uh maybe he hasn't hit 136 of, more than one time all year really yeah he's gone over it once right yeah, I'm pretty sure. Wow. Was. was it that? Was it that like 191, 190 game he had? Did he um, have something like that? I don't remember, but he's only yeah he he's only gotten the catches once, and if the, he got the yardage maybe maybe twice at the most, but he's not gotten there very. Yeah, he's only gotten over 136 twice. He's gotten to 136 on the dot three times, and his season high is 163 uh, against the Colts. So, yeah, I mean, he, he's a guy still, too. He needs a lot to get there, even though we're getting some downfield targets. But, I mean, he's fine. We know, we know what we're going to get out of Cooper Cup. Uh, uh, yeah. Definitely keep playing him. I mean, it's, it's when you talk about, like, all the guys going on COVID, and now we're at that time of the year where, you know, you were almost better if you were a team that's already gone through, like, uh, an outbreak or stuff. Because we're seeing the Bengals, too. So, if you look at some of the teams that have been the lightest, like, guys going on COVID this year, 49ers, up until this week, had four total guys going on the COVID list. So that just means it's a time bomb waiting, right? Like, and, and we're starting to kind of see it. The Bengals are another team. They've been just tremendously fortunate all, all year. And now to start the week, Joe Mixon goes on the COVID list. And, you know, so entering the, entering the playoffs, I mean, these teams that have already kind of gone through things where guys can't even get tested in the 90 day window might maybe even have like a slight advantage uh, a little bit, but you know, just have something to stick in the pin for some of these teams that haven't really kind of dealt with it. The 49ers aren't in the playoffs yet. So we can't even really count that um, because they, they still, if they can lose and still get into if the saints lose, but again, we're, that's backing the Falcons organization that we talked about earlier uh, that has beaten nobody this year, but uh, you know, all the receivers are in play though. Um, you know, Odell Beckham still hasn't gotten the yardage, but he keeps getting into the end zone. He keeps making big plays. 
uh, for the team as well. Not even the touchdown he had last week. The fourth down catch he had was was absolutely ridiculous catch, catch and uh, body control by him. Uh, so he's in play here. 49ers on 8.3 yards per target already. The way to beat them is with wide receiver play. They're 19th in touchdown rate allowed to opposing wide receivers. So you're starting to remove a bunch of pieces that are already starting from that. And we're going to get Josh Norman on the field a bunch. Uh, yeah, you can play all those guys. Stafford's just got to play better in the early part of the games. I mean, his, his first half splits are absolutely dreadful. He's been fine in the second half of these games. Uh, just kind of get got to get it going here, though, early in the games and not kind of put themselves in a hole. When they don't turn the ball over, they're fine. Uh, he has six games this year where he doesn't have an interception. And in all six games, he's been a top nine fantasy scorer. Uh, and in the 10 other games, uh, he's finished as a QB 15 or lower in seven of those games. And he just has three QB one finishes uh, with one game inside the top 10. I don't know the PFF scores everybody these days, defensive players for sure. I'm assuming in 2022, 34-year-old Josh Norman, he's a liability. Is that why you referenced him? He's bad now, right? <laughs> yeah, he's been bad. He's been bad for a couple of years. Uh, I think Derrick Henry finally finished him off last year uh, when he put him into the core <laughs> of the universe. <laughs> that was pretty sweet. Was that the one where the famous scene where uh, what the lineman said, like, you're sitting out there with my wife in the, the suites? Or is, you know what I'm talking about, Taylor uh, Taewon? Uh, am I thinking of something uh, else? Taylor Lewan? Yeah, Taylor Dewan, where there's like a famous like mic'd up clip and he's talking to like uh, somebody in the bench. I don't know, maybe it was Henry, I don't recall what it was, but he's like, yeah, you knocked that guy into the stands. He's sitting there with my wife in the suites right now. Maybe it's different. Could have been a different scenario, but you know, same sort of good, concept. Good line. Yeah, it was very good. It's funny. I love the mic'd up stuff for sure. Uh, John, what are your thoughts as far as Sonny Michelle? You can feel free to chime in as far as, you know, Beckham and Jefferson. Of course, Jefferson can always get loose with that 70 yarder. Uh, it's in play in tournaments. Uh, they're talking about Akers being on track to at least like suit up and play to some degree. Who knows? Probably not much. Uh, the running back situation for the Rams and the feel free to jump over to the 49ers where Mitchell did not practice today, but it's a Wednesday. So probably not a panic time. I assume that's probably a maintenance thing. You tell me otherwise. So for the Rams, we knew Van Jefferson, we talked about it last week, was more of a, a touchdown or bust option, but still in good matchups, he can easily get one or two touchdowns. Uh, having said that last week, just in playing a season low, 31 snaps, we really only like have coach speak now to go off of what happened. And Sean McFay said that it was just the flow of the game, quote unquote. Uh, he's still a really important part of the offense. Nothing has changed. And you can expect to see a lot of Van this week, whatever that means but and we also talked about this last week that we liked Beckham still because they had shown they will give him concerted touches inside the 10 like they will actually scheme him up for fade routes and that's the third time this past week that they've done that now in the last four games where they do just try to make sure they get a couple plays in where they isolate him one-on-one -on -one and just lob him the ball and hope for the best so still like many ways whether it be deep or shallow that Beckham can get touchdowns here uh for Sony Michelle though it's literally just the Sony Michelle show. Now in his last five games, averaging 23 touches this past week, 100% of the team's backfield touches. And then recently has been used encouragingly, similarly to Daryl Henderson and totaling nine targets the last two weeks. So that's kind of what we were really going for. Uh, last week, I thought it was good to leverage. So initially I went to Sunday morning going to leverage Sony Michelle against the Rams passing attack knowing that everyone was going to go the passing attack and hoping for the touchdown echo to Michelle. But then, you know, we look up Sunday morning and Michelle's sitting around like 30% projected. And it's like, well, this isn't even like clever. He's no longer a good tournament option. So I ended up getting off of him. But the fact now that he can also catch those targets, like he's also an option if you want to throw in with 
Matthew Stafford if you like this offense as a whole. Um, and for the 49ers, we are in a wait and see now. If Elijah Mitchell's healthy, you already know, just like last week, you already know he's going to get every single carry. Jeff Wilson won't be in an option whatsoever. They continue doing this time and time again, where they will only give all the carries to Elijah Mitchell if he's healthy. And then under center, Jimmy Garoppolo got in a limited practice this game. Not sure what's, I, I don't have a good read on it, honestly. I'm not sure what's going to happen there. Um, so maybe Rich can talk about like, if we just get hundred percent Lance, this matchup overall. Rich. Well, he said that uh, the thumb didn't feel good either after practice today. So we'll okay. have to wait and see uh, what happens there. It's interesting because Garoppolo is kind of a Rams killer. Uh, and it's kind of the way he's played because the way he plays structurally makes sense why he's good against the Rams. I mean, the Rams don't give up anything downfield. They don't give up anything on the outside. It's typically, you know, more over the middle of the field stuff. And that's where kind of him, that's where he lives. That's what all Garoppolo has done. He's live on the boundaries on whatsoever they've won five in a row with Garoppolo as the starter against them uh and he's thrown for 8.1 yards for pass attempts you know with eight touchdowns the past two times these teams have played he's thrown for 9.9 yards for attempt and 11.7 yards for pass attempt uh it's it's pretty interesting uh that he's kind of been kind of like this catalyst in these games but it makes sense when you kind of think about where to beat the Rams but that also just ties into the weaponry that he has and where those guys win you look at Debo Samuel's track record against the Rams and it's the same thing. Like it's, it's so I, I don't, I don't really want to give Garoppolo a ton of credit. I want to give the weaponry a lot more credit, but you know, Samuel has dusted them up, you know, three straight times earlier in the season, 133 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, the previous matchup, 133 touchdowns, 11 catches the time before that 60 yards and two touchdowns. George Kittle's game log against the Rams is just like an absolute smash. Uh, you know, just go down the list of all that. You can just, it, it's way better than T.Y. Hilton versus Houston. If, you, if you're someone of that kind of lore, uh, he's absolutely just eviscerated the Rams. Uh, so yeah, maybe you look at those two guys and, and, you know, Kyle Shannon's been just really good at scheming the ball uh, and targets to Kittle and touches to Debo Samuel in this particular matchup. Um, and they both got off earlier in the season when these two teams played on Monday night. Uh, one lineup, you're picking Samuel or you're picking Kittle? Oh, Kittle for sure. He's just so much cheaper, man. Debo's one of those guys, like, and he keeps getting there and sticking me, but, like, at his price tag and the usage he gets, like, I'm just like, there's no way I'm going to pay this much for him. And then he scores a touchdown every week. The, the, the only reason to do it last <laughs> week was because, well, the matchup helps, especially when we're talking about basically a running back wide receiver against the Texans. But also, like, that's the way that no one was playing Lance. Everyone was going to play Lance, but no one was dragging along Debo or one of the receivers with him, even Ayuk. And we knew it was volatile uh, if Lance was, like, unleashed a little more to play, like, Ayuk or someone with him. So that's the only reason I played Debo in some lineups last week, just knowing that no one else was going to. And, they, and him salary. and Cup scored and basically didn't even really get there, though. That's yeah. what's crazy. That, and that we're there again with Cup. I mean, Cup's 10K on FanDuel, so he did bump down to him. He's 9-7. Da down to 10K. DraftKings. He was 10-5. Yeah, so yeah, they gave him a little a little price down. It's just yeah, it's he's got to get in the box on Fanduel for sure at mm -hmm. 10k. Uh, DraftKings, you have a little more leeway, uh, you, you know, because you've got bonuses and, and the full full receptions of uh, scoring there. But yeah, it's, it's, it's been tough, man, to, to to click Debo though. It it is a little easier kind of this week there are some expensive options we'll talk about but you know we oh, don't yeah. have re retired receivers we don't have really chalk running backs that everyone's jumping around this week so it's a slightly easier to build this week 
It looks like Sonny Michelle is a better play on DK as opposed to Fandle this week. Uh, he's what, 6K on DK, 7-7 seven, seven or so on Fandle, uh, if you're considering that route. Do we, uh, like you said, if Mitchell is a go, he's basically the entire backfield, Rich. How much in play is he for tournaments or you prefer, like, you know, the uh, Kittle or Debo types? Yeah, I, I prefer the passing side, especially with them being being dogs. Uh, he did have a ton of touches when these teams played earlier, and we know he's going to get touches, but you never know what kind of receiving upside he has. And the Rams have just been so good against the run, and he didn't do anything in that first matchup except for just stack touches due to game script in that first matchup. So, uh, you know, he's 8K on FanDuel. I think he's the he's like the sixth highest priced running back uh, on, on FanDuel. And then on DK, you have a little more leeway because, you know, he's not priced up as much due to the lack of, like, full season – receiving and he's the same price as sony on dk yeah they're both 6k so that's a little more palatable i think it's tough to pay the, the 8k on FanDuel just because you need you need maybe multiple touchdowns at that price tag what do we think of lance if lance goes and uh who knows the internet doctors you were talking about last week how they were saying like he's going to be garoppolo that is going to be out for several games but most likely and it doesn't sound too promising here on a wednesday night uh, it's probably more of a DK question, 5.5K on DK. We know he has wheels, 7K on Fandle uh, on the turf in a dome. You got to love that for that kind of like a mm-hmm. archetype. Uh, Rich, Trey Lance, is he in play for you? Sure. Yeah. Any, anybody that runs around at 7K, uh, I'll take a look at. He's going to be fun. It's going to be curious to see when we close the week where like he, him versus Taysom Hill will be uh, because yeah. Taysom, Taysom looks pretty good this week too. Yeah, Taysom Hill's got a really good matchup, fully motivated, chance to make the playoffs, and uh, he's not afraid to run the ball either or pile. Uh, John, you got anything else in this game that's worth uh, noting, or shall we move on? I think that's good. Uh, all right, game two, <laughs> Chicago, and the, the Bears versus Minnesota, 44 yeah, and a half is the, <laughs> the two teams that are playing for absolutely nothing. Uh, both teams are eliminated. I, I presume we're going to get Cousins back this week. Is that official? Is that just assume we're getting Cousins back? Is that the, think, that's the think we're think we're giving him back potentially for a for a goodbye with Mike Zimmer? I don't know. I guess we'll find that out. Zimmer said he's starting. Okay, there you go. All right. Um, well, Rich, I'll throw it to you. Um, uh, you know, and, and that's the thing with, with motivation these days. I, I assume, like, I heard Dalvin Cook talk about having motivation, like, uh, he wants to play this game hard for his father who passed this year, and you know, all these guys, you know. Some of them probably planning golf trips, whatever, whatever they're up to, or vacations, well-deserved. Enjoy yourself. Have a good time. It's been a long season. Some would say, John, the longest season. I'm told it's potentially the longest season. <laughs> Some would say that. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, the athlete, that's the athlete mindset, though. Like, you have to create doubt, even if there is no doubt or, like, are no doubters. You have to create it in order to get hyped up. Um, you know, even, even for Baker, honestly, like, for as bad as he's played and he's been injured, like, the dude has played tough, honestly. He's been terrible. Don't get me wrong. But, like, he's still, like, taking hits along the sideline and to that injured shoulder rather than going down. So, yeah, I mean, they're, st- they're still out there playing. Also, for, like, motivation for me as I'm trying to fight off all the doubters. Uh, if you look at this slate, it was hard to pick a third game, honestly. Like, yeah. this is a, this is at actually, like, two teams that are competitive, I guess. But, like, everyone else, like, we can't talk about the Colts and Jaguars because we'd just be masturbating over Jonathan Taylor the whole time. We can't talk about, like, other other games like Bills and Jets because we would, wouldn't talk about the Jets at all, maybe Braxton Berrios. So it's just, like, I needed two teams. We could actually analyze both sides. And here we are, working pro. Yeah. I mean, okay, analyze the Bears. Play Montgomery. Anything else? <laughs> like, what and else? Justin Fields is playing. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay. I, he, momentum in the next season. That's the thing people try to manufacture. I don't know if that's real or not, but uh, all right, Rich, talk about, talk about Justin Fields. Hey, you know what? Uh, running quarterback at a dome. Okay. That's something he can move. Yeah, you just, you, you just, you made the argument with the guy before, you know, you've got, we've got <laughs> Taysom Hill. We got Lance, we've got fields. We've got all running quarterbacks in domes. You like, listen, that's a smorgasbord for you. Uh, lay it out. I mean, and fields has been getting there. I mean, his, his past five games played, he's been uh, in the top 10 in scoring uh, in four of those uh, five games. And one, he left the game early but he wasn't going to get there against the Ravens the way that first half was going. Um, <laughs> but I mean, him coming with the ankle injury, you just have to question how much like there's a hindrance. Yeah. There. Like, is he a hundred percent? Is he able to get there? So probably tournament only, but he was a guy over his past seven starts averaging six rushing points per game. Uh, when these two teams played on Monday night, two weeks ago, he actually was a, a effective passer. This is the other thing too. We didn't talk about Stafford is that the last two matchups he didn't play good in were ones we would have thought everyone's played good against these guys i mean yeah. since the vikings have uh, lost everson griffin and daniel hunter like their pressure rate is just sunk uh they're not getting after the quarterback at all at this point um and fields was 26 to 39 in that game for 280 85 yards was really good in the second half uh but he's still a guy we're going to prop up for his rushing first so if that ankle is not 100 we won't know that going in that definitely throws a little bit of shade on it but it does give us another intriguing you know kind of upside piece on the Chicago side uh to talk about outside of you know Dave Montgomery just getting a ton of touches do you play fields uh, naked a la carte or is there somebody you feel comfortable pairing him with oh there's only one guy to play on there it's uh, Mooney's really it I mean if you're gonna play a receiver uh you know another 13 targets last week uh you know Allen Robinson is on he's got two feet out the door in Chicago so that's really <laughs> it Komet hasn't scored a touchdown yet this year he's got one more week if you think you're going to get it, but. <laughs> oh man, it's probably not going to happen. Was there a thing where the Giants receiver didn't score a touchdown for like two months? Is that still holding up? That's that, uh, still, they might that up. Is that correct? I don't think, when's the last time they scored a real touchdown outside of a wide receiver? <laughs> they had negative like 10 passing yards last week. We like, are uh, so amazing. <laughs> we're, we're inching towards the top of year that the Chiefs had whenever a receiver didn't score a touchdown all season long. The, the Broncos, close uh, to that. The, the Broncos haven't had a wide receiver catch a touchdown since week nine. I know that. Uh, and that's just sad. It's just a sad state of affairs what happened there. And you saw Melvin Gordon come out today and basically say, like, this team wasted, like, a, a talented roster. And that's what happens when you don't have a quarterback. John, what do you have as far as the Bears? I think Rich pretty much covered it. Just in the eight and a half carries per game that fields his average in his last five full starts. That's kind of why this game is interesting. Also, that you know, I know people looked up and saw Allen Robinson at 3,800 on DraftKings last week, but even then you could argue that that's too much. It's too expensive for Allen Robinson. So even at like 3K stone men, I would I think that's still probably too expensive for Allen Robinson this year, at least until we find his next home. Uh, on the other side of the ball, it's really interesting though, because we, first, we never know how players perform off the COVID list, you know, especially with the, the unvaccinated individuals. So what happens with Kirk Cousins here is interesting, but then also like, again, this week is all about beyond the motivation and everything. We can't get lost in the fact that clusters are now building for the COVID list for teams. And like the offensive line for the Vikings was struck hard just in Ezra Cleveland and Christian Darisaw. And so like for Kirk Cousins, who remember played the Bears two weeks ago and defense did its job. I, well, maybe it was just Kirk Cousins doing his job in primetime, but nonetheless, 87 yards, two <laughs> touchdowns in that Ooh. miserable, miserable primetime game. Um, yes. And then now, like, 
uh, no offensive line. Uh, it's it's certainly concerning, but we do know where he's going to go. That's the thing. We talk about like limiting these target trees and knowing who produces if they produce. And of course it's Justin Jefferson. Uh, we haven't seen him without Kirk Cousins or with Kirk Cousins and without Adam Thielen for, you know, two weeks. But remember he had a 35% target share in his last six games from Cousins. And, and Thielen was only absent for two of those. So, you know, Justin Jefferson with Justin Fields, like there's a pretty easy way to like stack this game if you're into it. Thielen, of course, on IR uh, out for the season. Is that, I mean, is that it? It's, it's, uh, it's Jefferson there, Rich, as far as the Minnesota side, like for sure he's the, the best upside guy. And you can play yourself some cook as well, but like John was alluded to, uh, you know, I want a, a, at least a legitimately somewhat decent offensive line that is, uh, you know, the thankless big uglies as they call them, but uh, that could be a problem later on in the week and we'll see how that goes down. But yeah, the, the skill position players from Minnesota, what do you have from here, Rich? Yeah. I mean, this is a game when you look at it, this is where you can probably get a lot of your skinny stacks, even if you don't want to, you know, chase fields coming back and, and bank on the ankle. There are other mobile quarterbacks like we talked about available. If you don't want to play cousins, whoever likes playing Kirk cousins, um so you can you can play your you know your skinny montgomery plus jefferson right like uh th- that exists in this game i mean you could do i don't know if you're going to do cook and mooney but you know definitely the the front the front one uh skinny sounds really good uh jefferson has 11 and a half targets per game over his past eight games he was over 40 percent of the team targets in the two games steal and missed one of them was a game against the bears we had 10 targets only had 47 yards as the game, but it was like 50% of the yards, like Nagel said in that game. <laughs> so that exists. I mean, Montgomery is like, I mean, he, it's not, it hasn't been like a fun ride with Montgomery, but he keeps getting touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're another team, like their offensive line has just been so bad. Uh, the past four weeks, he has what, uh, 2.9 yards per carry, uh, but he's getting 22 touches per game. He's involved in the past game. Uh, when these teams met a couple weeks ago, again, the same thing, 23 touches. He only had 83 yards, but you'll just take 23 touches, right? Like, you can just hope hope to see what that happens at his price tag. Uh, he's still been a little bit underpriced for the volume he's getting. Um, I'd like to – I'd rather play him than both of the guys we talked about in the first game. What, one, what are your general thoughts? Oh, go ahead, John. No, I'll just say really quick, one – uh, I did not have a successful week in week 17, and I knew I was not going to ha- have a successful week in the first 30 seconds whenever David Montgomery and Braxton Berrios scored a rushing touchdown. I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm officially done now for this week. I've lost Why to the chalk. Why do you chalk. hate chalk so much? I've lost to the chalk. <laughs> no big deal. Especially on a slate where, like, everyone was a good play and everyone just, like, paid down for the same players to pay up. Ridiculous. Whatever the case, uh, they actually were using Braxton Berrios in interesting ways. But also, uh, KG Osborne, it's – on one hand, we know they use him like Adam Thielen, even this past week, a season high in snaps. Um, but also it's interesting because DraftKings, like, because at first I was like, well, if I can get like 3,900, 4K KG Osborne, that's not a bad way to pay down. But then also like he's around 5K on DraftKings. Um, him, there are other players like Marquez Calloway, I think is interesting. Uh, Braxton Berrios, like they actually, that's why these past two weeks have been hard to find cheap receivers. Like DraftKings getting pretty creative with these guys that should be below 4K, but now like they're just pricing basically the men, good guys around 5K outside of Berrios, of course. I don't know who wants to tackle this one, but it's like a kind of a general thought. And it's sort of case by case, depending on the team and all that. But like a guy like Montgomery, Rich, um, like what is Chicago's incentive to run him in the ground in week 18? You know, and th- I, I assume he's signed for next year. I'm not really sure, but just assume he is for the sake of the conversation. Like why not push back a little bit? It's been a long season. It's been a bad season and give like Herbert, you know, I don't know, 25%, just kind of see what you have in a couple guys. 
Um, like some teams are probably going to do that and some teams probably aren't. And is that just sort of like, that's the whole idea of being an information slate, trying to compile that information and yes, coaches lie, but I don't know how to handle that basically is what I'm saying. Like I try to best guess, like why would they play Montgomery for like 27 touches? Why would they? Besides like, that's his job. Cause of Matt Nagy. Uh, that's I mean, a good, that's, okay, that's the case uh, by case. That, that's a good case for, for I mean, for he's Chicago. it's I, Matt, but yeah. probably Matt Nagy's last game. Uh, I'm sure he wants to win it uh, against a division rival. Yeah. Uh, it might be Mike Zimmer's last game too. So who knows? Maybe it's one of these things too, where both these guys are trying to, you know, push everyone to go hard or maybe, but I'm, I'm with Lose you. This, town match. I mean, I thought all season, you know, trying to galaxy brain that with the extra week this year that we would see kind of teams, you know, scale back, maybe not play their backs on a Thursday night game or do something like that. And none of that's happened all year. So it's kind of just guesswork. Uh, we've got a lot of that in play this week. And that's what makes week 18. Like I said, it almost feels like a little bit of like that, that final week of the preseason, right? Who are these yeah. guys going to get a half? Are they going to get, are they going to get three quarters? Are they going to get a full game? Like there's all these elements there. Yeah. To me, it would make sense. Like to not to, to do what you said, but also like, we're just trying to guess on that front too. So, I mean, if we're not doing that, like we, we have to play some running backs, right? Like, yeah, so. well, we can play Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> Well, we can do that. <laughs> He's expensive, though. But yeah, we can't play Jonathan uh, Taylor and Cooper Cup, though. Uh, salary cap restrictions. John, do you have a, a thought on that? I, I want to give you a chance to answer if you have a, an opinion there. Uh, Cooper Cup or Jonathan Taylor? No, no, no. Just a <laughs> no. thought on, as far as how to handle uh, <laughs> like the teams that aren't playing. Teams that aren't playing for anything. Yeah, uh, n- not really any thoughts. I've been taking it case by case. Uh, do we really have that many though? Like. I think the Bucks are the biggest question because we don't know how much seeding cares for how much seeding matters for Bruce Arians. But other than that, like, yeah, not not many two thought. I they just I mean the I next game soon they're gonna show up and play. Seattle's just playing out the string. Like how much how much Rashad Penny they're gonna play? I don't know. I, I assume the normal. Well, I mean he's and, he's they declined I mean, his fifth year. He's a free agent, so I would imagine they just run him to the ground. They, they I mean, have been I, so far. Seattle is one of those teams I feel like I'm not worried about because of the Pete Carroll Russ thing. Like it could be Russ's yeah. final game with the Seahawks. Uh, you know, it's a, like Pete's not, they're not going to quit on Pete either. Like, so, I mean, I, Seattle, I don't really worry about, like, I feel like Seattle's going to be, they're going to go all out or well, in Seattle context, go all out. I'm could, Nick could be, There's another one for you. Could be 45 plays. No, the Browns like our forward thinking team. Like, so like it's easy to say like, yeah, because Chubb already was reduced on Monday night and has already yeah. in his practice with two injuries uh, today. And it's only Wednesday, but he was already limited. So, I mean, the Browns are a forward thinking organization though. It's easy to say like, look at everything Stefanski's done. Right. Like, and they're already shut down Baker. So, I mean, yeah, Chubb would be a guy I'd be legitimately like worried about. Yes. Najee Harris is another one I would think. Like, why would you like it's been a long time? No, they can make the playoffs. Him. Yeah. Oh, Pittsburgh has a, it's like a one percent yeah. chance. They're not dead. Six percent. Six percent chance. They need okay, some yeah, help, fair enough. But yeah, right. they, they need some help, but they're definitely one of the teams that can sleep. Oh, in yeah. Mass. And they're not quitting. You're right. Yeah, they're not. They're I stand corrected on that one. Also, no. yeah, ben, Ben's Ben's final game, like no, they're they're all playing. <laughs> I've seen enough, Ben. That's it. I'm done. I'm I saw enough Ben in week one, let alone in week 17. It's a tricky, it's a tricky landscape to figure out. But I mean, yeah, like you said, you just got to take it case by case basis. Try to read the tea leaves. 
Um, I've been I've been more worried about yeah just the clusters. I keep saying that word, but like seriously, even like for the Lions, like Amon Rossay Brown would again be a good play. Um, I mean, man, how awesome has he been just as a volume slot receiver? But like then the Lions, like entire left side of their offensive line is missing as well, and those those dudes are awesome, like Panay Sewell, Taylor Decker. So I, I've just been kind of focusing on those situations, and like if teams do poorly, it could just be because like their true stars are just out this week on the COVID list. And Swift, by the way, we talked about that last week. And oh like my supposedly- God. I didn't play him, yep. but Godspeed to everyone who did. <laughs> yeah, I was told he was going to get a big workload and then like it shut down this week and he didn't get a big workload. So what's he going to do this week? I have no idea. You got a revenge game for Williams, but also you'd presume on the other side, the Packers are probably resting some people. They have nothing to play for. They locked that one seat. So again, it's just this big chess match. Uh, I was asking like an overarching question in the middle of our game by game stuff, but I think it's kind of relevant as far it's, as yeah. the slate. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. Featured game number three, Seattle at Arizona just kind of gave it away. Minus six and a half as far as Phoenix. Uh, Phoenix. Well, they're in Ooh. Phoenix. They used to be called Phoenix, right? Uh, 47 and a half. That is the biggest total on the board, John. Um, man, I hate that the Seahawks are in like the biggest total on the board, my least favorite team to talk about. But uh, here we are. Uh, John, you want to take the Arizona side or the Seattle side? Who do you want to start with? Both sides, honestly, could be very good. Um, you know, let's go ahead and start with the, the Kyler side. We saw Kyler bounce back, and we talked about him a lot last week, but in particular from a clean pocket, completing 78% of his passes for over eight yards per attempt and two touchdowns when not under duress against the Cowboys. Also keeping up in that rushing juice that I think Rich highlighted when we were previewing the game, um, nine carries this past week. So, yeah, I mean, Kyler just returned to be back to being just fine. Um, and then for this game, you have the interesting defensive notes as well because Seahawks are one of those teams that scheme around zone concepts. They actually run the third fewest rate, the third lowest rate of man coverage in the league. And Christian Kirk not only leads Arizona in targets against zone coverage on the entire year, but also has 21 to Adrian Green's 10 over the last three games without DeAndre Hopkins, as we've seen sort of the target tree shake itself out without Hopkins since week 14. Um, also, Kirk, just three fewer targets than Ertz as a whole with the more ceiling with the more upside than Ertz as well in that stretch. So yeah, it's, it, you know, if we get some juice as we saw in Seattle, the Russ FU bounce back game, even getting in on the ground as well um, for a season high in carries like this game could have some sneaky juice in it. What do you have for me, uh, Rich, as far as this side, by the way, I, I was going to tilt about the uh, last week. I thought I was being so slick going well over the field as far as Chase Edmonds, like, Oh yeah. Late information. Uh, Connor's going to be out Arizona. Like they, they're kind of like locked in their spot essentially. And then Edmonds is just a massive, massive flop. And here we are again, Arizona, uh, you know, they are locked into their spot, correct? I believe they're locked in their spot. Oh no, they, they can fluctuate, but they're going to be making the playoffs. Yeah. They won. They won the, well, 23% chance they, well, of making the, they, they the have game. a chance at the number two seed and that matters because home field advantage or home field in the first round. So they'll, they'll yeah. be playing to win. They're playing to win. Yeah, both the oh, Cardinals yeah. and Rams can that division still up for grabs. So, yeah, and, according to five thirty-eight, the Rams have a seventy-seven percent chance to win the division. The Cardinals twenty-three percent. So, yeah, the they need the, the Rams to lose, but the Rams and, also have to win. And the Rams are playing a team that they've lost to five times in a row. And the <laughs> NFC West, the NFC West teams are playing in the afternoon. So there's you can't no tell me McVeigh is tired of hearing about that shit though. Like yeah. McVeigh wants to oh, win yeah. one on on Shanahan for sure. That, all he's heard about all week is probably how many times that they've lost in a row to the 49ers. Attack this game, Rich, whatever side you want to come from, go for it. Yeah, like a lot of the pieces in this game. I mean, Russ has been 
it's been pretty easy to diagnose the games he's going to be good in since he came back. He's picked on a lot of cupcakes, but that's how Arizona has been trending. I mean, they've now allowed four consecutive top 10 scoring weeks uh, to Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, and Dak Prescott. So there's still a window here for Russ to kind of run back uh, a little bit of what he did last week. I don't expect him to be as efficient as he was against uh, the Lions defense, uh, but there's still some opportunity for him. He's still pretty cheap. Uh, this would be a spot where I'd say too, like when you look at Rashad Penny, his usage is, is fine. You can get attached to that, but he, again, like it, it's one thing when you're, when you're just stacking a lot of production on the, then going nuts on the lions, the bears and the Texans. Uh, remember he was not really good in that Tuesday night game that they played against the Rams, actually legitimate defense. Uh, the Cardinals can be run on, but they have also allowed the fewest touchdowns to opposing running backs in the NFL. Uh, so that could equal a little bit more of like a, you know, signal to just the passing game, not really get on Penny. I was surprised Penny, Penny was sub 10% on, at both sites last week. I was pretty floored by that, uh, especially against the lions. It was like an obvious spot like for him. And I was just really surprised, uh, that he was, maybe it was because that people went to Edmonds, uh, like you said, but I was really surprised. Yeah. I, I we, had a good bit. I had some, but I, I certainly probably shuffled some of my pennies. We, uh, and, yeah. yeah, because we got that Edmonds news 15 minutes to kick off. And so I faded him knowing that like, that's when humanity is most looking to tinker with their lineups. When you get news <laughs> in that 15 to 10 minute window, it's game over. That player is going to be heavily rostered because everyone's just looking for ways to pivot, even if they have the nuts, they don't care. And so um, I just had, I thought it was best to just fade him knowing everyone was going to go to him. It was, it was crazy though, but I had a penny chase team actually get all my money back uh, nice. on the, there you on go the, on not, the slate, but but I'm saying that this is a spot to probably not chase Penny's you know hot games because when you look at the games like they're obvious smash spots and he gets credit for absolutely going above and beyond in those games he didn't just barely get there uh, he's been he's been hot you know uh, you know just absolutely smashing but this would be a spot I would lean towards the Seattle passing game more so than trying to run Penny back. The, uh, the question for the 18th time this season, uh, well, we haven't asked it every single week, but Lockett, Lockett or Metcalf? I mean, I'm pro Lockett, but uh, we'll know the first target of the game, right? But you just yeah. know, right when the game starts, <laughs> you know exactly what kind of game it's going to be for, for which that's, guy. That's why uh, apparently the secret is just to play Russ, Lockett, Metcalf, and Penny. That way you don't <laughs> yeah. And win a million dollars. Yeah, easy game. Yeah, and I'm on Raw. Listen, man, small field. You onslaught games, baby. That's yep. what happens. I actually hate that uh, I wasn't on the the full uh, against against the Lions on the onslaught because all those guys were popular plays in their own right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we saw Metcalf get in the box with three times last week. He did uh, have a limited practice on Wednesday. I mean, I assume again that's just maintenance stuff, but like stay tuned and everything. And all that kind season. Of stuff. Yeah, uh, nothing to freak out about. Wednesday is kind of the standard day. Um, John, what else do you have here? Um, we're we're waiting on. Chase Edmonds and James Conner, it was reversed today and that Chase Edmonds did not practice. It's still early in the week, but Chase Edmonds did not practice. James Conner was limited. So we'll see how that shakes out. You know, James Conner depending on touchdowns in the past, but again, we also saw him used heavily in the passing game as Chase Edmonds, basically, whenever Edmonds was out. So you know the pivots to do. Edmonds also using the passing game and Conner's out. So we know exactly where to go. And then, you know, Zach Ertz, three more targets than Christian Kirk the last three weeks, but you really can't play him on FanDuel since, you know, he's averaged five yards per target, eight yards per catch on a site. You need ceiling plays and touchdowns at the onesie position. 
also Antoine Wesley, uh, he has three touchdowns on nine catches the last three weeks without <laughs> Andre Hopkins. And that's and his end zone targets, he leads the team. He's doubled up the next closest receiver, AJ Green, in that span. So there is a reason he's consistently scoring those touchdowns, but still, like, you know, you know what you're chasing, you know the volatility you're getting into. So really, I just kind of think the plays we talked about are the ones to stick around in this game. Or like they have all season highs the first time they played, catches yards and touchdowns. Uh, when, when he played a Colt McCoy in this matchup uh, earlier, a couple weeks ago, they actually mm-hmm. played. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, and his his target share goes back to pre-Hopkins injury the second time. Like, it's been – it goes six games deep. Like, if you look at his target share in the games where Hopkins missed that first run and the second run, he's been the guy that's gotten the bump. Everyone else has kind of really kind of stayed the same. Kirk's gone up uh, a little bit, but it's – it's Ertz is the guy that has the clear, like, significant target splits. I uh, did a quick Google search. Uh, the Steelers, in order to get in the playoffs, they have to beat the Ravens. Okay, that's doable. And they need the Jaguars to uh, beat the Colts. A lot so, of teams uh, are riding on that Jaguars dub uh, <laughs> this week. Of, also, the, the Raiders and Chargers can't tie. All of those teams have probably seen Carson Wentz play the last month, so they are not worried. They're like, yeah, sure, an upset could happen. They have also could have maybe seen the Jaguars play the last month, too, and be like, well, maybe it won't work out. Well, anyone that's yeah. watched Trevor Lawrence play, it's been rough, man. Been yeah. Rough. <laughs> you know, is it incomplete? What's the grade on Lawrence? Do we? St- I mean, because I was told, I don't watch a lot of college football, but I was told this guy is one of the best quarterback prospects the last 15, 20 years or so. And, like, that's not what I've seen. You know, I'm not a scout or whatever. I'm just an armchair guy watching the, you know, football on the couch. But, uh, Rich, are we putting a grade on it, or is it kind of unfair? It's just kind of incomplete. But we'll see think it's completely unfair i mean it's it's his he looks like blaine gabbert man right now uh now <laughs> the thing about lawrence is is that there was always like like chase always and chase and pitts in this class were like legit like guys like in all of my prospect models which go back to 2000 were like literally like 95 percentile and above like pitts was literally a 99th percentile like tight yeah. end prospect lawrence for despite the the public opinion he he wasn't even the top. He was my fourth objective in my model. I ranked him higher than that because he's going to go first pick and, you know, following some of this, uh, all the other real quarterback scouts that I don't know anything about. He actually just grades out as like, like an all right quarterback prospect to me. Like his, I was talking to the Denny Carter about this in our, in a thread that we have uh, non humble brag, but his similar prospect grades for me were first round quarterbacks were Teddy Bridgewater and Jared Goff. Uh, as objective prospects coming out and not just, you know, a lot of people, when you hear those names, you'll think of the result. Uh, Those guys were fine prospects. They were drafted there for a reason, but he was never a guy that objectively just like popped and stood out at like this, uh, this is like immense objective, like deity as a quarterback. Like he didn't look like Andrew Luck, uh, you know, and and some other guys, but it's some of those guys don't hit either. Like you think like a Marcus Mariota um, or like an RG three either, but he was never a guy that like stood out to like the chase and like pits level as like pantheon of like prospects. Uh, so if he were to fail and continue to fail, I mean, I kind of really wouldn't even blink because I think he was put on a pedestal that wasn't really earned objectively. Yeah. I was told chase was only good in college because he can catch a college football. That was my understanding. He well, he said that. To be fair, that's his own quote. So like <laughs> he's the one that did fair the strike ball quote, but uh, he caught plenty of footballs. Uh, definitely very good. Yeah. Uh, but if you have anything else here, John, as far as thoughts on that, by all means, share it, but uh, anything else as far as the Seattle 
uh, Arizona game that uh, you think is worth featuring, worth talking about, worth pointing out? Yeah, I think Rich hit on Rashad Penny, the only other option here, pretty well. Um, you know, for Tre- for Trevor Lawrence, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens his offseason because he there's still time left. We need someone who can actually develop him as their next coach. That's why I think, like, you know, maybe Byron Leftwich and Leftwich trying to drag Chris Godwin along with him is a really interesting prospect. But, yeah, we'll see how all that shakes out. Hopefully he gets someone, maybe even Kellen Moore, though, who knows how to develop young quarterbacks uh, and actually builds a good culture. It feels like both those guys are in line for a head coaching job. And I, I didn't realize Godwin was a uh... – yeah, that's that's an interesting idea. I like that just on paper. Now, I'm not sure if that's going to put it out there or not. But even though sounds... it'll be interesting to watch where he goes as an unrestricted free agent, like you know Brady, Brady is going to lobby for Godwin to come back, and of course Brady makes the decisions there. So I'm sure they'll get something done, anyways. I mean, what could go wrong signing a long-term contract with the 47-year-old quarterback? <laughs> we need all these guys. We're listen. We gotta we gotta settle it. Uh strap the seatbelt in though for we need Lawrence to be good we need Zach Wilson to be good we need Justin Fields to be good because like those guys are starting next year like yeah it's not like it's not like it's a question coming into next year like those are those team starting quarterbacks so like straddle straddle in because we need the uh there's a lot of pieces attached to those teams uh that we want to be good and are going to need that those quarterbacks to be functional on on one hand yes on the other hand at least we have Burrow Herbert Mahomes Lamar <laughs> and Allen in the same conference for the next 15 years. So, you know, at least the AFC is covered. We're going to need some help with the NFC, but the AFC we're covered there at least. It's, yeah. it's wild. There's 8 billion people on the planet. We can't like the 30th best player in the world of throwing football is like Baker Mayfield. That's like, what's that possible. That's what makes the Baker conversation. So interesting. Like, you know, it's already hard enough. If you have a below, not league average quarterback, um, offense is hard enough if you have a league average quarterback because you have to get everything right. There's so there's just less room to make mistakes. Whereas guys like Mahomes, Herbert, Burrow, the guys that GM should be trading up to get, even though that's when the clock starts, that's when their jobs then go on the line is when you make big decisions like that. Um, you should be going up to get those guys because they're they can help out when mistakes are made around them because they're so good. And at the same time, though, it's not even a question about like if Baker's league average or not. It's the fact that you kind of have no choice but to try and do better because like. Baker then has to go against all those guys I just listed for the next 15 years. And like, that is not good enough. You can't consistently try and get by Mahomes, Allen, Lamar, Herbert, uh, Burrow every single year for the rest of your life. Like it's just not going to happen with Baker. So I think that's what makes really the conference discussion more interesting than the overall like micro analysis of this quarterback with this team. Man, I, I go on that rant all the time. Like NBA hell, the worst thing to be is like the number seven, number eight seed. Like you're not good enough to do anything in the playoffs, but you're, like not terrible enough or you can't get a good draft pick. Like you, you, the worst thing they had was like the 20th best quarterback. I want the worst quarterback. Give me the worst quarterback. So I get rid of him and replace him. I have an urgency for that. We're like a top five guy, but all right. Um, we shall move on. That is our three games. We're going to run it back and talk about our favorite plays in each position. Before we do that, we want to talk about our sponsor, Jock Market. Do appreciate Jock Market uh, sponsoring these show throughout the entire year uh, and in the playoffs as well too. Stop throwing your money away. It's time to check out Jock Market. Now that's the app where Daily Fantasy becomes a stock exchange. You buy and you sell shares of players in real time for real money. Download now, 100% deposit match up to $50. Just use the promo code GRINDERS, G-R-I-N-D-E-R-S. Get this. If you do not turn a profit in your very first week, Jock Market, they're going to cover your losses in your first event. Download Jock Market in the App Store or the Play Store and check out jockmarket.com. That's J-O-C-K-M-K-T. Dot com use again the promo code grinders 100 deposit match up to 50 bucks 
on your first deposit. All right, John, uh, quarterbacks, we kind of alluded them to uh, alluded to them already. Taysom Hill in a dome. A lot of domes this week. The first three games we talked about, another dome here as far as Atlanta. Nice to get that this time of year. Good matchup, especially for a running quarterback here. Uh, Taysom Hill, we got Josh Allen against the Jets, and they're motivated. The Bills, they want to win. They probably will. Probably going to score a pile of touchdowns. Um, yeah, that's a good starting point. Do you like those guys? Who do you like at quarterback? Yeah, Everyone knows Josh Allen's a good play against the Jets, which is why like the slate pretty much starts around him. I imagine he'll be the highest roster quarterback this week and no complaints at all. And so that's what makes this one really interesting in particular at the quarterback position, because all the guys we've mentioned, Justin Fields, uh, Taysom Hill, um, not uh, Trey Lance, not only in domes, but also rushing upside. So now we're getting like really sneaky here and saying, okay, well maybe we can match Josh Allen, honestly, with players like that. And we're also saving like, 2k on a site like DraftKings where those rushing yards and bonuses matter so it's really interesting slate to start with uh the one person one other person I'd pay up besides like Stafford who we already talked about and Kyler I think Tom Brady again I don't I'm still following tea leaves here but I would imagine he'll come in severely under rostered um you know the Bucks have the home playoff game locked up but it's still unclear how much like the seeding and the jostling, how much of a tough guy Bruce Arians is like the Cowboys usually are and still play their guys in meaningless games. And, you know, if they do go out and still try to sync this offense up without Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin, like the stacking options are still right there for you, whether it be Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, who we talked about last week and was in the, in most like winning tournament lineups um, and Cyril Grayson, like the cheap pay down option who is still collecting targets here uh, in place of Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin. So I'll be watching like Tom Brady news because I think he's a pretty sneaky pay up option as well. You mentioned Grayson. Do you think he's the best amongst that? Like Tyler Johnson, Perryman, Scotty Miller world. Is he like the most appealing for you right now? On a Scotty, Scotty Miller is still a, like a pop shot guy. He's still just coming on as a rotational receiver. They're not really using him. Also, he's been injured like all year long. So it's, it's, he's still like somewhat limited and coming back. And then Tyler Johnson just isn't earning targets. That's the thing. You still have to earn targets. And the fact that Grayson is and, uh, and Tyler Johnson is not like makes it quite easy, even though he did have six this past week, but still makes it quite easy to uh, get away from him. So that's who I'd be paying down if I go with that stack. Yes. Yeah, all right, Rich. Uh, have you read the tea leaves? They are what at least it says they opened as a, as a 16 point favorite at home versus Carolina. Now they're an eight point favorite. Of course, uh, they've lost some of their skill position players there, Tampa. Do you think Brady plays the entire game? I think they're locked into at least a first round buy and they can move up a little bit as far as seating, but it's not very likely, is my understanding. Um, yeah, I, I, how, how fragile is, is Brady? They've already lost several pieces, obviously, coming down the stretch. Yeah, they need they need the Rams to lose. Uh, which could happen. I mean, it's not, not impossible, but uh, and it's tough because these teams played a couple weeks ago too. The one thing that Carolina has actually been good at all year is playing defense. I mean, then, and Brady without all of his weapons a couple weeks ago really struggled in that game. Uh, you know, he did, and he didn't even play the fourth quarter because it was still 32 to six because the Panthers are that dreadful on offense. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it was 32 to six and Brady was 18 of 30 with 232 yards and a touchdown in that game. Uh, wasn't even good at any level remotely. Uh, and the and the Panthers still had no no fighting chance uh, at all. So that I think that's what you're just worried about is just like. But then that's a as a byproduct when we say things like that. It's like well that means they scored points right uh, to get there. Uh, so I mean, if they're going to score points, maybe I'm Brady's, Yeah, I mean that's a, that's the other thing too is they don't have any running backs. Uh, although Keyshawn Vaughn did practice in pool today, so it looks like at least he'll be up. They Bruce Arians talked about Gio Bernard potentially being able to play. That's all stuff you'll just have to wait till later in the week to kind of get clarity on. 
Um, Mike Evans is uh, one of those kind of incentive guys. I think if you were going to play anyone with Brady, you'd want to look at Evans uh, just because, well, a couple of reasons. One, he's another one of those guys going for the streak of keeping his thousand yard seasons going. Uh, so he needs 54 yards for that. Also, he's by de facto going to get targets now. Like Mike Evans this year, yeah. he's only had a 20% target share in four games this season. And in those games, he's had five for 75 and two touchdowns, seven for 75, seven for 76 and three touchdowns, and six for 73 and a touchdown. So he's going to be a 20 plus percent target share guy the rest of the season now because Godwin's not coming back and AB is not coming back. Uh, and Carolina has been awesome against tight ends all season. So, you know, Gronk couldn't get there a couple weeks ago. He just had the two targets. He's another guy that has a bunch of incentives in play too. Um, he needs seven catches, 85 yards and three touchdowns. He gets 500 K for each of those three touchdowns seems pretty lofty, but seven for 85 seem reachable. But uh, like I said, tougher matchup for him. He only had one catch when these teams played a couple weeks ago. Uh, yeah. Bucks are a little bit tricky because they're just so banged up and injured and defensively, we saw their injuries kind of catch up to them. I mean, the mm-hmm. Jets, the Jets looked good, uh, legitimately <laughs> fine against them. And with no Levante David, Shaquille Barrett's been hurt. Uh, I don't expect the Carolina Panthers to do anything in this game still. But uh, yeah, the Bucks. I mean, this is what happens though. It's regression. They were the healthiest team in the NFL last year and uh, not so lucky good closing the season. Uh, anybody else want to add to the conversation as far as quarterbacks or the Titans? If they, uh, they got a win. Uh, to clinch that number one seed, get themselves a buy and another quarterback uh, in a dome, right, in Houston this week. Tannehill, not a fun roster, but, like, you know, he's just somebody that threw out there, I suppose. He's got a ready-made pairing in A.J. Brown. Um, I'm just I'm just looking for guys. It's, nah, like, Allen's going to get played so much. Yeah, yeah. Do we, we covered Josh Allen, Taysom Hill. The one thing with Josh Allen is just watch the weather now. I mean, the Bills are going to regret not having a dome uh, at some point <laughs> here in this playoff run. Josh Allen's now played three games in kind of sketchy weather, and he's been awful in all of them. Uh, you know, last week he got there with the two rushing touchdowns, but 11 for 26 with three interceptions against the Falcons. Uh, yeah. Then uh, we saw earlier in the season they played the obviously the Patriots game and the, the dumbass wind game that we saw. Uh, that was bad. And then against the Colts in the bad weather game where Jonathan Taylor just ran wild, he was legitimately bad in that game too. So Josh Allen, man, uh, I know they drafted him to cut through those, those fierce Buffalo, you know, wins, but uh, they're, we want, we want the bill. The bill's offense is like meant to be played like in optimal conditions, the way they play. Yeah. They don't have a power run game that Josh Allen is their power run game uh, and they want to throw the ball a ton. So I don't know what the weather looks like in Buffalo. I didn't look ahead, but. And those, uh, those three turnovers, those three turnovers were not flukes. Like Josh Allen was forcing those balls because he was frustrated, like he wasn't making plays downfield. But, yeah, I mean, he's it's an objectively great spot for him if things are – the elements are all in play uh, against the Jets. I like the turnovers. Like, I mean, the best play, obviously, like, you know, 70-yard run or something like that or a 70-yard pass, like a pick six, the first play of the game for my quarterback, I love that. Let's, let's chase that. The yeah, the Brady the, game the last game. week. Me, uh, yeah, give I do it all day. I, I do a team with my son, and we had Brady as their quarterback, and when the Jets were up, I was like, oh, he's about to throw for 400 yards this game. Like, yeah. This is going to be amazing. Uh, in a game where you thought, like, maybe they would just kind of coast. Uh, so, yeah, it does help a little bit, but you, you need the other stuff to come with it. But, uh, yeah, Josh Allen's had three pretty sketchy outdoor games uh, in that weird Buffalo weather. Yeah. I mean, it's backwards thinking, obviously, but the Jets' mm-hmm. offense can use a push every, every once in a while to, get, to kind of keep that close. 
All right, uh, John, open up the receivers for us. Uh, do we go running backs or receivers first? Oh, you know what? Let, let's do running backs. We can go bad. whatever order you want. Um, no, no, I, I just, I, you know, it's running. It was a perfect game, and then we talked about it. <laughs> yeah, running back, go for it. Uh, running back's really interesting because you know you can you can keep making the Devin Singletary argument as leverage off of Josh Allen, uh, even last week. And honestly, like if, if the weather clears up and it's a good spot for Josh Allen still, you can make the argument playing Josh Allen with Devin Singletary if you don't want to go to any other option. So I think Devin Singletary, who has 73 of Buffalo's 86 backfield touches the last four games as their clear workhorse, is yet again an awesome, awesome play, whether you want to leverage or stack with Josh Allen. Uh, Deontay Foreman, 22 carries in two of his last three games, still led the team in carries in the outlier performance sandwiched in between those three games. And then most recently played a season high in snaps against Miami. Uh, I spoke of Miami and that would also lead us if Damian Harris doesn't play Ramondre Stevenson yet again. Um, we saw Deontay Foreman go wild against Miami. They just no need to throw against, you know, a terrific stack secondary so why not just lean on a very talented running back for 20 plus carries again so Ramondre Stevenson we're gonna have to look for Damian Harris's injury status and then I'm still watching the Nick Chubb situation uh Dearness Johnson started the week on my list got moved to the COVID list and we know they just plopped their runners in and use them all like Nick Chubb whoever's healthy so we have to see about Kareem Hunt we don't know about his injury um and then also Rich do you know if John Kelly is still on the injured practice squad. I think he got moved to. Is he able to get called up, or is that just like no way you know, man? No way in week I, eighteen. I don't know uh, what his status right now. Okay, I was admittedly watching John Kelly as well. So I'm just I'm looking to see who gets called up in place of Nick Chubb if he's out. John, uh, can you say with a reasonable amount of confidence that Foreman is kind of separating himself with that, that three man monster, him and Hilliard McNichols? Absolutely. Uh, you know, like like I already mentioned the carries. But not only that, like uh, McNichols is also being used over Hilliard in the passing game. So like Foreman's the guy, or no, uh, uh, Hilliard is the guy who comes in as like to relieve Deontay Foreman. Foreman is very clearly leading the team in carries. And it's if they're ahead by script. 10 in the I mean, fourth quarter, yeah. It's, he's gonna it's just the game script. I mean, the one game Foreman bricked was against the 49ers where they were down double digit points to half. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, and again, he led the team in carries in that one. And then, also, you know, it's it's the Texans. It's a game we should expect them to have a favorable game script. I still think it's not going to happen. It comes down to LaFleur and Zach Taylor, but I, I still think Vrabel deserves coach of the year for like just the, the trash he's he's taking to 11, 12 wins. Like, I mean, the, what he's done with this defense, and they're not special. They're, they don't make splash plays, but they just get the job done every week by not breaking ever um, to have big wins, huge wins over the Chiefs, the Rams, the the Bills. Like, there's no – if you look at the Titans' loss, like, you, we can make fun of the Raiders, the Steelers, um, the Dolphins. But if you look at the Titans' schedule, I mean, they've killed – they're the Kings. They've killed everyone. Um, and it's amazing when you look at their personnel as well. So, I do think Vrabel should be the winner, but he's not going to win it. I'm pulling up yeah, the odds I now. Curious, uh, um, all right. I, I believe last I checked, because I always make fun of Silva because he has like 16 bets out on Coach of the Year, <laughs> and, none, and none of them are Lafleur or Taylor. So uh, I just keep telling him to keep betting the field. Maybe he'll get one right. Um, he got 60 percent. He's like the guy who covers every number in roulette, and he still loses. Yeah. <laughs> and he gets mad at me because I always make fun of him at dinner for having like 17 tickets out on Coach of the Year. Uh, but no, no, no. I, I think it should be Vrabel. I, last I checked, which is last night, Vrabel was like the third, had the third best odds. Um, but again, I, I genuinely don't think he's even in the conversation, according to the people who vote on that. Personally, for me, that would get my vote. 
It'll be a crime if Zach Taylor wins Coach of the Year. I agree. But he, that he may, he's probably going to win it. He's the favorite right now. Yeah, I mean, Coach of the Year has always been one of those awards that's just like, we thought you'd be really shitty and you weren't, so here's Coach of the Year. That's like how it always is. FanDuel Sportsbook, LaFleur plus 175, Taylor plus 190, Vrabel plus 270. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Zach uh, Taylor's uh, a donkey. Who, I'm going to tell you. Who is the worst quarterback uh, that, that uh, Silva has on his Coach of the Year ticket? Does he have like a Nagy line around somewhere? He had to have Matt Rule. Absolutely, he had Matt Rule early. A lot on, of yeah. people were on the Matt Rule, and it looked good for a month. Uh, yeah, and, and then yeah, um, Belich- Belichick uh, was pretty good until Matt Jones hit that like month-long streak where he wasn't that great. Uh, a lot of Mike McCarthy. I know a lot of people though followed the McCarthy train, and the Cowboys' offense has now hit this little streak where they're just injured, lots of COVID-less players. Um, also, like. I'm still I'm still very much worried about like Cowboys futures and McCarthy just because they've made a lot of dumb decisions and final minutes of games this year. And that's as we know when playoff games are decided. Last year, how many teams do we see? McDermott was one of them. Um, uh, the Steelers, the Titans, even Vrabel, like they all kicked themselves out of games because they went for three points like on the 40 rather than going for it on fourth and one. And so like actually trying to win matters once we reach the postseason. So those are like the futures tickets I worry about. Uh, Rich, those some running backs for me on your list. I'm not sure if, if John mentioned Taylor, like Taylor, duh, Jonathan Taylor. We kind of mentioned him passing oh, yeah. a couple times. Like you're supposed to play Jonathan Taylor this week if you can. <laughs> like uh, a game that actually matters. They have full incentives. They're playing against the Jaguars. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. What do you have for me, Rich? Yeah, I think at the top, I mean, the safest guy, if you can't get to Taylor, is probably Alvin Kamara. Uh, you know, they've got something to play for. I play against the Falcons, here 100 yards against them. Uh, we saw last week, you know, he was involved in the pass game uh, with Taysom Hill as well, five for 68. So he's probably the top, like the top, like pay up for RB2 after Taylor. Um, but other than that, this is going to be a big week where you just have to wait till later in the week, right? Like we're going to need more mm-hmm. information. Uh, I, I remember when Connor got hurt, a lot of people suggested it was a four week injury. So it would seem to be like if it would make sense to just keep buying time, but he's been kind of it seems like he's been close to playing each game and then they pull the, they just pull the court at the end on us, or maybe it was just been a, a nice little ruse, but I mean, yeah, I would be surprised still maybe if he plays, but who knows? Uh, and then we kind of just, yeah, talked about all the other guys um, that you kind of would pay for uh, just then look for clarity as the week goes on, on some of these situations. Cause we're going to have some guys that like, will be like a surprise sit or something. They're just like, we're going to hold him out or something. Vandal was pretty proactive on Samaj Pira, and he's 6'5 over there. I mean, I thought he might and be he's a guy another guy, like, too. Like, you can't even count him. Well, one, the day was talking about the John Kelly thing. Like, one, that game's going to be featuring a bunch of backup quarterbacks. And, it's like, that yeah. is the preseason game. It's going to be And, gross. like, why wouldn't the Bengals just, like, if you're in that situation, why wouldn't you give Chris Evans a bunch of, like, an extended look? Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the point I was talking about earlier. Like, why, why, just, like, why not see what you have with a couple guys? And, like you said, use it. Well, if you you know if you have nothing else to play for, use it as a evaluation uh, for next year. They're they're all league average, so maybe it doesn't even matter that their backups are in. I believe the Bengals offensive line is also has a big COVID list issue right now as well, and so like we've seen that too. Whenever we plop backup players into these situations, and they like they just don't perform well. Dearness Johnson is the outlier. Um, that's why I worry about Samaj Piran personally because we also know yeah Chris Evans is their third down back, but maybe like they're just nowhere to run anyways for Piran. Yeah. Also on the other side of the ball, like a big COVID situation for the Browns. And more importantly, better quarterback playing Case Keenum now that he's healthy. And the Bengals defense, the Bengals defense is 
like just gone. Um, like the Browns could, should be able to pass the ball in this game. So, <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> DPJ. It comes full it, circle. Yeah, yeah, full circle, baby. Start starting <laughs> in the season. It always comes back to DPJ. Yeah, there's One been more. rumors that Landry won't play, so we'll have to see if that does. But yeah, the Bengals have uh Quentin, both Quentin Spain and Trey Hopkins are on the COVID list as well. And this then Trey Hendrickson, Von Bell, yeah, and um on the COVID list in their secondary. I, I mean, rational coaching. I, can you guys explain the Giants? Like we talked about their ten, negative 10 passing yards last week. They were they lost 29 to three, yet they insisted on giving Saquon Barkley his biggest like load this week as far as 21 carries. This guy, a history of injuries, going nowhere. What what was that? Anybody? Well, that's <laughs> a similar the thing. It's they they had also lost two offensive linemen and they all they only had one healthy receiver entering the game in Kenny Galladay. So they were just like Let's try to end this shit as fast as we can. Like, let's just end the game as fast as we can. Like, we have no business even trying to, to compete in this game. Uh, we have no healthy offensive linemen and no healthy wide receivers. Why why drop back to throw a bunch of times? And what's That's funny is he only dropped back, like, 15 times and was pressured on, like, half of them. So, like, <laughs> why, why keep trying – why even have him drop back to pass? Well, there's a lot of players in the NFL that are calling, and they're trying to get on that Giants team. Yes. That's my understanding. <laughs> That was that was my favorite part, the, the yeah. post-game masterpiece. It's like at the end of Inglorious Bastards, whenever Brad Pitt and BJ Penn look down with their knives and say, I think this might be my masterpiece. That was what Joe Judge did. Just performance art at its finest. My son is a huge Giants fan and he just like he just pulls up the transcript after every like on Sunday night when I watch the Sunday game and we just have a field day with it. It's just like he's like, what do you he'll like answer ask a question and we'll try to answer it like Joe Judge and then read the response. It's so good. BJ Novak wasn't BJ Penn like a UFC fighter? BJ Novak, like thank you. Yeah, BJ Penn was, okay, yeah, yeah. was UFC champion for a little bit. In my yeah, head, so. I'm like, that, that, that's different. I know who you're talking about. I know that scene. Amazing. You know, movie. you know who that is, but you don't know Th who Thanos is. Yeah, I mean, come on, I, I stay in my lane. <laughs> Tarantino. No, no, same game though. That same game will be another thing. Like, do the what does Washington have to do? Like, why would they play Antonio Gibson? Right. Yeah, I don't know. So I mean, if, they, if Patterson, Jared Patterson. So if Jared Patterson plays, I mean, the dude had a, you know, 17 touches and ran a bunch of pass routes. So he'd be in play too. You just have to wait until later in the week. And we've seen that. It's kind of been a cheat code, honestly, on DraftKings. Uh, I didn't play him, but it doesn't even matter. Like if you think the guy won't perform well on DraftKings when they're cheap, it literally comes down to, are you using the passing game? Like, are you the pass catching back as well? That's how you get there. We saw uh, Jarrett Patterson, you know, it was at 3%, but was in awesome Mo's Millie winning lineup, just as in every touchback. And like, honestly, like if you're 4K, if you're around there, you're in every touchback, who cares if you run for like two yards per carry, you're going to get the catches. And that's all that matters on DraftKings. Hopefully you get in there for a goal line run. So yeah, Patterson would be on the list as well. Who cares if I just heard of you three days ago? Like I, I played him. I never, I don't know. Like I never, never heard of him. Uh, he had, he had a ridiculous uh, run in college. He had back-to-back -back games last year. We had like 800 rushing yards. I was about to say, uh, go look at his college game logs from his last year. Dean, you will be Where'd shocked. Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo. You will be shocked. Oh. He was, he was like a, he was like Darryl, well, Daryl Henderson from Memphis, but you might've also never seen Daryl Henderson play in Memphis. Um, I don't know. He, he was Jonathan Taylor, like of Buffalo, of a smaller school. They just used him for 30 carries a game and he just exploded every single week. Yeah. He Is had that a match game in Buffalo. He had a game where he was literally on the like DFS slate too, and had a game with, I believe seven touchdowns 
uh, last Whoa. year. <laughs> he, he, he had, well, Dean, he had a two-game stretch where, like, it was it was just, like, the stupidest thing ever last year where he just went absolutely nuts. Um, and just, like, I, I say, yeah, oh, it was eight touchdowns. It was like, oh, so, Dean, back-to-back games, 301 yards and four touchdowns, and the very next week, 409 rushing yards and eight touchdowns. Yep. <laughs> who's hey, covering? Sure. It's like, who's and covering then he, <laughs> And then he showed up to the combine. Mac, Mac action. <laughs> Is it Maction? Sh- <laughs> it was Maction. Uh, it's always Maction. Um, and then he showed up to the combine, just like was not an athlete at all. He tested out so poorly. Yeah, he's but, at Buffalo. But he, yeah, but he played <laughs> special teams, and that's how you make a career in the NFL. And so Washington drafted him. They stuck him on special teams, and he earned his role. So good for him. Yeah, running back it doesn't him, matter. You don't have to be a good athlete to play running back. No. All right, let's knock out some receivers and tight ends, and, and step aside and get out of here. We've kept enough. Kept people long enough. <laughs> Uh, we've read the show plenty, which is fun. And then he gets the part that people like uh, secretly. Uh, Rich, you want to start with some receivers for us? Wide receivers. Uh, let's see. We talked about uh, Mike Evans. We talked about Justin Jefferson. Uh, Brandon Cook still is good. He's your skinny with Deontay Foreman. Uh, his splits with uh, Davis Mills now are pretty night and day with him and Tyrod Taylor. Uh, he's actually been, uh, the last four games, he's been a top 12, top 13 wide receiver. Uh, he's caught 71% of his targets from Davis Mills as opposed to 58% from Tyrod Taylor. Pretty jarring split there. Uh, so, yeah, keep playing him, and he's your skinny with Deontay Foreman. Uh, Steph Diggs, we talked about those incentives, six receptions to earn $1.55 million. You know that Josh Allen's going to be aware of that. Mm. Diggs will let him know. 230 more CV yards for uh, – that's not, that's probably not going to happen for another – Same game, half, Gabe but... Davis. Gabe Davis looks pretty good again. Yep. Sure. Um, proud of UCF there. Go Knights. Uh, John, what do you have as far as receive? Are we still playing the sun God, brother? Rich, that's your guy every single week. Uh, you know, the price hiked him up a little bit, but he's getting there every single week. Detroit, you know, another game in a dome this time of year is nice. And that Green Bay defense, who knows what it's going to look like come Sunday. Uh, are you still on raw? You know, I'm on raw. Yeah, sure. Why not? Double digit targets in each of the past five games. Like Nagel said, the offensive lines hurt, but that might even help him get more targets. Uh, it's a Tim Boyle revenge game. Do we count Tim Boyle revenge game? Oh, no. <laughs> He's uh, a very vengeful. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to talk anyone out of the Sun God at this point. Yeah. Um <laughs> Uh, he's more vengeful than the bride from Kill Bill. That's my understanding. So uh, it's going to be ugly for sure. Uh, just calling back the old Quentin Tarantino. Uh, what do you have for you, John, as far as some receivers? Feel free to add on to that list or throw some new names out there or, or uh, you know, run it back if there's anything you want to add on as far as, uh, you know, you like, you dislike, you want to double down. Now we know Quentin Tarantino, also your strength, not man. <laughs> uh, Correct. Don Peoples-Jones was literally on my list. I'm not kidding. Uh, just because Von Bell, Trey Henderson, <laughs> Trey Wayne's out. So uh, I'll keep chasing those air yards. Don't care. And then uh, we talked about Taysom Hill, but I think dragging Marquez Callaway along, that's like the unique way to get Taysom Hill in this game. Um, 19 targets the last two starts with Taysom Hill. Remember he had that Ian Book game sandwiched in between, but uh, Callaway has quietly emerged as New Orleans' number one receiver. So if you're looking to pay down and like game theory wise, he's priced a hundred more than Braxton Berrios. So I think that's a, a pretty good option. All right, John, bring us home. Talk about some tight ends. Pitts, we're not really sure if he's going to play, but if he does, what is it, like 60-some yards or so to break the uh, the, the single-season record for, for rookie tight ends? I think that's what it is. I want to double down and confirm that is correct. But, uh, yeah, John, what do you have as far as tight ends? He still caught that 61-yard catch last week, too. That gave him the record. Uh, 
or not a record, but gave him the, the first tight end to go over a thousand yards in 60 years. So um, still, still reached a significant milestone. We'll see if he gets available because that hamstring strain did seem pretty serious whenever he suffered it. He tried to come back in the third quarter, but was just like limping around running useless routes on one foot. So uh, we'll see what happens there. I think the pay down guy, now we could have people go on, COVID list injury report, and thus the cheap guy becomes clear. But right now it looks like John Bates is going to win the award as the minimum guy at 3K to play since Ricky Seals-Jones looks like he may miss time. Um, so, yeah, that's that's where you go to pay down at. And then, um, outs- you know, we already talked about Zach Ertz if you want to get the floor. And then Gronk's price is still – or no, I'm sorry, not Gronk. Uh, Kittle's price is still pretty good as well. We talked about him, and that's kind of my pool this week. Uh, we're not going to mention Komet. We kind of mentioned him in passing as far as <laughs> we, other cheapies. I mean, we we did this last week. River, Komet doesn't score touchdowns. Like, you need a touchdown from outside the 40. That's how Komet scores touchdowns because anytime, like, they get inside the 20, there's a spotty sense that goes off with Nagy, and Jimmy Graham goes on the field for one of his seven snaps per game. So that's just the way they run their offense. Yeah, you got to vindicate that uh, contract. <laughs> Rich, uh, Kyle Pitts, 59 receiving yards for a single-season rookie tight end record. Mark Andrews, 141 receiving yards mm. for a single-season record uh, as far as tight ends. Baltimore does have a really, really minuscule chance of making the playoffs. It probably is tied to that. Uh, I'm guessing it's tied to the Colts losing to the Jags. I don't know that for certain, but that would make sense to me in my brain. Um, yeah, there's a couple guys we get through out there. Yeah, I mean, Mark Andrews, you have to pay for it. Uh, they need to win the Ravens. And they need losses by the Colts, the Chargers, and the Dolphins uh, to get in. Good luck. And I mean, but, but Mark Andrews has been on such a heater. I mean, he's priced up so high. So you've got to jam. He's a he's a jamming guy, and no one's ever going to jam in a tight end when you're trying to jam in two other guys that have been good all year in Cooper Cup and Jonathan Taylor. So yeah. it's really tough at his price. It was a good ride for Mark Andrews. He had another good game last week too, but uh, at eight, five and seven, five, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot to go. Did he finish the season as tight end one? I feel like in my brain, oh, he's yeah. probably close Easy. to it. Okay. Easy. Wow. And like most people didn't have that. I assume most people had either. Oh Kelsey no. Or no. Yeah. He had well, Waller. I mean, Waller was the second tight end off the board. Forgot about Waller. Yeah. He's going to play. Uh, he might play Sunday night. So, come on, he's not going to play, is he? Yeah, he returned he to practice. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, mean if he, I was going to say, okay, I guess he's going <laughs> to just show up and play. All right, go for it. Well, he was supposed to be close last week. Rich Saccio was hinting that he was close to playing, and then he got put on the COVID list and couldn't play. Uh, so, we'll see what happens. See if he's limited or not. But it's the listen. It's a it's an all-out game for the Raiders. Like, yeah, they got to win. Yeah, that's right. If they win, they're in, right? So, okay. But even if sense. he's limited, like I imagine, like if he can dress and they can even just put him in on in certain packages, they would do that in this game. Yeah, and the goal line kind of thing for sure. That that does make a lot of sense. I I uh, haven't focused on my research. I wasn't focusing on that Sunday night game because you know this was main slate, main slate only. So I didn't realize that. Oh yeah, the Raiders. There's a reason why that game was moved to Sunday night. Yeah. Um. All right. Rich, you got anything else as far as tight ends? Anything else that we should keep an eye on going no, into, it, as, I mean, as just, the week progresses? Just, yeah. I mean, continue just to follow the news, like we said. I mean, it, uh, we'll hear, I'm sure, of a, a number of, of good players that teams just pulled the reins back on and say, yeah, this guy was dealing with X injury that we didn't highlight being badly, and we're just going to rest him this week. I'm sure we'll get several of those as the week progresses. 
John, tell the people where they can find you uh, in the interwebs, where they can find your updates as far as as news breaks. Where are you going to put that kind of stuff this week? Uh, Twitter, all that good stuff. Uh, updates will be on my own DFS show on Friday that comes out after the injury report. So we have a little more news. This is how we wet our chops on the Wednesday night. But Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, NBC Sports Edge YouTube page. Uh, Monday night, also to get ahead of this and promote it, I will be doing a first look playoff only for those FFPC playoff leagues that I love playing, um, you know, where you can only pick one guy per team and uh, it's giant prize pulls at FFPC. So uh, I'll be doing a show with four four footballs, Connor Allen and Joe Pano. So watch that Monday night, 7.30 PM Eastern. And then also since I am a connoisseur, just know I'll be paying up for Bryson DeChambeau and paying down for Taylor Gooch at 4 AM tomorrow morning. You're giving golf, golf, golf tips to the people. Oh, baby, we are ready. I love. I play. I quietly play golf like every week behind the scenes. It's like I love DFS golf. Love it. He crushes. That's all. I'm not a big golf guy, but I know he's a, like he's a big driver, right? Isn't that Bryson's thing? Yeah, but he's, he's also like a scientist. Also, he's also very easy to hate. Yeah, he's kind of a douche. Um, having said <laughs> that, I love him. Like I, I am enamored. I watch all his YouTube videos. I like read every article that's ever done about him. I, I think he's amazing. But also, yes, he's a very, very hard person to like. Is he what's like a the, heel wrestler you like? What's the douche well, Venn diagram to professional golfers? <laughs> that's, that's very it's a circle, I believe. Uh, no, because nice like heel, heel wrestlers are cool. Like heel wrestlers are meant to be villains. And being a villain in wrestling is just like easier. It's just more fun. Uh, Bryce like wants to be a good guy, but he's accidentally a villain, which makes him worse. Although it's not even a bit. He's not even like playing into it. That's just him naturally, basically. So yeah, he's yeah, he's he's hard to like. He's very hard to like, Dean. Just watch a few videos and you'll understand. Like this guy's kind of cringe, but yeah, I still I'm obsessed. He's the most polarizing golfer, genuinely. I think since Tiger Woods, uh, everything he does is worth watching. What it's like Carson Wentz, whether it be good or bad. Um, you got to see it. You got to see it every week just to revel in it. And what is that FC? That sounds interesting. I'm curious for for real. You can only play one player. Explain that to me real quick, if you don't mind. For- that, now I'm interested. Well, remember, um, you know, FFPC, right? We, we, we talked about it I last people, week. Yeah. I hear people talking about it. Yeah. Hear, you talk about it all the time, but I don't, I'm not aware of this one rule. Like I like the concept of you can only play one player on each team. That's an interesting little wrinkle. Yep. So all the playoff teams, once we get the teams, you then literally just pick uh, one player. You're only allowed one player and you have to fill out your lineup. That includes two flexes. That includes a kicker and defense. And like, if you pick the kicker from the Bucks, let's say you pick Ryan Suckup, you can't pick Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski. You're only allowed one. And you fill out your lineup like that. They allow multiple entries. So you do that. And then last year, maybe this year too, I think it's 250 entry. And oh God, I got to get the prize payout. I don't know the prize payout, but I believe it's like 250 to $500 entries. And uh, yeah, and it's like, you know, 50, 100K payout. So it's a lot of fun. I love it. I might play. That sounds like fun. I like that wrinkle. I like the strategy. Lots of game, lots of game theory involved as well. That's why I love it so much. Do you partake in that as well, as well, Rich, or are you like relaxing for once? Uh, No, I don't know anything about golf. I know that uh, Anthony Kim, does he sell golf? Uh, He's wearing those dope belt buckles. That's all I really know. No, he doesn't really show up that much. (laughs) Not sure. Doesn't show up that much anymore. He's just wearing really cool belt buckles. That's all the reason I do him. Okay. That's good. Rich, tell the people where they can find your content so they can find you around the interwebs, all that good stuff. It's week 18, if they don't know by now, but like there's one guy, there's one guy who watched this show for the very first time. And like, hey, that rich fellow, he's pretty sharp. I, I want to see where else uh, we can find him. And, and you're going to go ahead and tell him. Yeah. It, you know, all my stuff is at sharpfootballanalysis.com. All of my stuff will be up with no paywall in the playoffs. I'll be writing up all these games. Uh, and you can still find me for two more Wednesdays with my guys, Dagle mm-hmm. D. 
yeah, we're going to be back. We're extending it. We're going to, the longest season gets longer week 19, week 22 playoff sessions. Uh, it's going to be good times for sure. So stay tuned. If, I'm sure there's going to be massive uh, prize pools. What do you have, John? If you thought we were good at filling time whenever we had a 16 <laughs> games to talk about, just wait until we have seven games to see what yeah. we fill all the time with. Devin's been trying I'll, to get out of here for 35 minutes. <laughs> I'll give you my Tarantino power rankings. Like a movie, my movie. I'm happy oh, to I'm, do something I'm like here. That. Let's do this. I'm absolutely, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> Join us again next week. Good luck week 18. Again, information slate. Keep your ear and your nose and all your body parts to the grindstone. And like, uh, be aware, uh, this stuff is fluid as far as the news. All the way up to kickoff at one o'clock. Good luck Sunday. That was Rich Rebar from Sharp Football Analysis. That was John Daigle from NBC Sports, a good football show podcast. I was Dean from Rotor Grinders. That was football. We're out of here. Holler.